Wendy, show me my picture of the fire again. Jack's picture, technically. All right. So this is a difficult moment for me, right? Because I, I actually used this as a sermon and illustration four or five years ago and burned off half an eyebrow. True story. Just stand a little too close, and I was like, what is that? That's me. That's me on fire. Um, but also, I'm like, how high is it going to go? And man, it went high. And as I'm thinking about that, I just had a, a question. Um, if your house was on fire, what would you grab if you could only grab one thing before you leave? Just a couple answers. Yes. You'd grab your cats, and your cats would appreciate it. What would you grab? Your phone. <laughs> I like that answer. Oh, shh, hold on. Let's just remember this for tomorrow. He said his phone. All right. If your house was on fire and burning down, you had time to grab one thing before you left that house, before it was gone, what would you grab? Your sister. Oh, good answer. I'll tell her you said so. Your favorite blanket. The gift of warmth. My wife's favorite gift. Yes. Your Bible. Are you kissing up? I'll take it. Anybody up there? What would you guys grab if you only had the, what, an umbrella? I'm just going to, I'm going to move on. What about over here? What would you grab if your house was burning down? You could only get one thing. You. What would you grab? Your computer. All right. All right. Two more. Boom. Snacks. It's getting silly. Your couch? Your whole house. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Bring it back. Here's what I would grab. And I thought about this as I was wondering, will this response burn down the student building, right? If, I'm, if my house was on fire and I could only grab one thing, of course I would grab my people. I would grab my family. But if we're talking possessions, I would grab these right here. These are my journals. These are 13 years of conversations between me and Jesus. These are every single day that I've sat with the Lord and asked him questions and shared my heart and he's responded to me in the word. Our whole sermon series this fall of Tattoo My Soul where I've shared stories with you guys about my need, my hurt, my brokenness, where God wanted me to grow in a given year and then what he had to say which has subsequently ended up on my arm. It is not just here. It is right there. This is my most valuable possession, a written record of my conversations with Jesus, personal to me, between me and my Father in heaven. There is nothing in this life that I treasure more as a possession than those books. I've taken time nearly every day for the last 13, nearly, for the past 13 years to sit with the Lord and share my stress, my excuses, my sin and my shame, just like you guys are doing this weekend. And I've asked for help and I've thanked him for all he's done. And every single time, you guys, without fail, God has responded faithfully in the word. He has led me to just the right passage. He has led me to something so profound and personal, so clearly a response to me, sometimes in a response to me, to not the question I asked, but the one I should have asked because he knows me better than I know myself and he uses the word to speak directly to us um, he speaks directly 
to us and reminds us, hey, I know you're wrestling over here. I know you're confused over here. Let me remind you in the truth, in the word of God, this is who I really am. And this is who you really are. And when it comes to the things we struggle with, it's usually because we have a misunderstanding of those two questions, that we have problems. I forget how awesome and incredible and loving and powerful Jesus is. And I forget he has called me a son of the king, more than a conqueror, a prince in the kingdom of God. Just like every single one of you can claim as well. And I always walk away from those times, not with everything being okay, not with all my problems gone, but with a little more or a lot more peace, wisdom, and if nothing else, an understanding. I am not alone. These 36 journals, and I'm working on my 37th right now, are a record of my conversations with God. They're the most valuable thing that I've got, and they're extremely personal. But I thought, I wonder what God might show us today. And so if one of you wanted to volunteer and just grab one and open it and see where we landed, I wanted to share with you that I'm not just making this up and these aren't just journals I grabbed from Barnes and Noble and wrote some dates on. Somebody from the front, who wants to come up here real fast? Yes, ma'am. Pick one. And by faith, Jesus, perfect page, open it up and let's see where we land. Well, now we're on a different page. Is that where you want to be? All right, she feels good. This is from June 4th, 2011. <laughs> Who knows what we're about to read? I confess a lot of stuff. How do you guys think I write? Uh, how do you think I start? Close enough. Good morning, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for this great opportunity via Friar Thomas. Oh, I remember this. I pray that your will be done here, and I thank you again for, the wonder, for our wonderful home. Please pour out your presence on us today as we work around the house as a family. I love you, Lord, and I love the life that you've blessed me with. May I be a good son, a good servant, thankful, obedient in all things. Great prayer for any single day, especially chore days. And I opened my Bible by faith, and it looks like I landed on Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God, I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Lord, David echoes my heart song. Nothing can replace you. I am thirsty for you in drought and rainy seasons alike. I hunger for you in lean times and fruitful. Come, my God. In fellowship with me this day. Give me today my daily bread. Psalm 63, 2 through 5. I have seen you in your... Hmm, my handwriting's a little janky. <laughs> seen you somewhere. <laughs> seen you somewhere and I've gazed upon your power and glory. And your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Did we just sing that? Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. What an appropriate thing to read this morning. Lord, thank you for the way that you love us and you grow us. Thank you for using us to encourage one another. 
theme for today, crazy, I pray that I would more fully enjoy, embrace, and engage this gift of being loved by you. 63, 6 through 8, I lie awake thinking of you. Did anybody lie awake thinking about the Lord last night? Did anybody wake up at dawn like me and think about what's been going on? I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. And I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings and I cling to you and your strong right hand holds me securely. And I closed up my quiet time that day with Holy Spirit. Fill my mind and my heart with pictures of you that I may meditate more often on heaven and things of you. Amen. You guys, I don't know all that was going on that day, but that's how I started it, and so I bet it was a pretty great day. <clears throat> Did you guys bring your journals today? Good. Amen. Open them up. We're going to use them. If you don't have one, I don't know. You're supposed to bring it. Maybe grab a pen, write on your hand, your leg, you know, whatever. I want you to use your journals. I want us to be a student ministry that records our conversations with the Lord. I want to share a quote to get us rolling today. It's a quote that I love. It's a quote that my wife showed me years ago, and it says this, 3,000 years ago, when alphabetic writing began spreading through the East, written words were far more than idle etchings on paper. Written words were repositories of power, physical vessels that gave material reality to one's innermost thoughts and even the soul itself. You guys, something powerful happens when we read and write words, even more so when we read and write the Word of God. Deuteronomy 11 says, write my words, these words, on your heart and in your soul. Do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. Read my words. Write my words. Discuss my words. Wear my words. Live my words. If you do, I will bless you. God wants to bless us today. He wants to bless us every day. I want you all to take a moment and write the first two lines of this verse in your own words as a personal prayer over yourself, over your small group, and the day to come. You got 60 seconds to do it. Our journals our written conversations with God, we need to think of them as these personal repositories of power, these written reminders of who we are and who God is calling us to be, who God himself is. Before we go any further, just out of curiosity, who has no paper or pen? Don't be bashful. Any of you? A couple of you? Jack. Have somebody bring some paper and pen up here discreetly in the next few minutes. And you guys can grab it because you're going to need it in a few minutes. Moving right along. So, all of the successes that I have seen in my life, not that it means I won the lottery or got a pay bump. All my successes in the spiritual 
life, which affect the physical life, are recorded in these books. And all of them happen when I remember what God has said and when I do things His way, which isn't always easy or convenient or popular. And all of my failures that I've experienced in the past 13 years are written and recorded in these repositories of power, these continual lifelong lessons that I can go to at any time. And all those failures happen when I find myself rejecting what God has said, and I do things my way every time. But I'm thankful for the failures, because failure is the best teacher out there next to Jesus himself. But one of the things that I love most about God, because I fail, and you fail, and I am broken people, and you're broken people, is that every single time that I find myself rejecting God, whether it's after I've done it or in the midst of it, that all I have to do to get back on track, to get back close to him, is ask for help. Go back to the word. So, segue. Has anybody been watching The Crown on Netflix? Anybody seen that show? Some of you? It's some of the best television that Netflix has to offer. The Crown follows Queen Elizabeth from the time that she received power, the sovereignty of England after World War II, and follows her and her family's life through the years. They're on season three right now. I think they're in like the 60s or 70s. Um, it is very well done. It is just good, clean, quality television. And it is very accurate. Like, many of the conversations are exactly what multiple parties said. Yeah, that's what they said, and you can just put it in a show. Super fun for the queen and her family. Um, it's like reality TV they didn't ask for. But still, it's really good. Better than reality TV. So I'm watching an episode of this show, The Crown, last month. Episode 7 of season 3, to be specific. And it was built around the world event of the Apollo missions, when mankind sent people to the moon, and astronauts walked on it. Crazy. I mean, it happened decades ago. I still can't believe, a lot of people don't, right? But I think it happened. It is the world's greatest achievement ever, ever. We sent people from Earth to the moon, and they came back. It would have been enough if we just launched a rocket with some people on it. They returned. You, you can't, I, I can't, I wasn't there, I wasn't alive. I cannot imagine the, the thrill, one, of doing it, but two, just watching it. So this episode revolves around Prince Philip. Prince Philip is the queen's husband. She's the boss, but he's her husband. He still has titles and stuff, but she's got the authority. But this man, he's still... He's a proud man. He's an accomplished man. He's an extremely educated man. And he is a very unhappy man. And it is clear early in the episode, it's actually clear as the course of the show unfolds, that this guy, he's just, he's not enjoying his life. He's a prince. He lives in Buckingham Palace. He's got it all. And he is so unhappy. And in this episode, he is grappling this is an accurate portrayal of something that really happened with the question, man, who am I and why am I here? He is having 
what they call a midlife crisis, but he's really just having an identity crisis. Who am I? Why am I here? The two most important questions that you can ask on planet Earth, or the moon. So, in the midst of this identity crisis, he kind of just like, not super willingly, but maybe begrudgingly, but maybe just a mustard seed willingness, he goes to church. He goes and sits down with a bunch of people that love Jesus and love the word, and they try to help him. And they give him the same answers that you hear from me in this book all day. You need Jesus. You're broken. You're believing lies. You need to believe the truth. And we love you. And he loves you. And Prince Philip, he's having none of it. He just says, I don't need God to be happy. I don't need a book to tell me who I am that was written thousands of years ago. And Philip decides that in the face of these men and their book and their Jesus, he comes up with this idea. You know what? Instead of giving God a chance, I'm going to go meet those astronauts. These men have been to the moon. These men are superheroes. These men are bigger than life. They've done something no one else has ever done. They will have answers. They'll have insight. They'll be able to restore my mojo and remind me what a great thing it is to be alive. And he's Prince Philip, so he can do this. And he sets it up. And the astronauts come to Buckingham Palace, televised event, big deal. And he gets a set amount of time to sit down with these three men having accomplished this amazing world achievement. And he discusses what's on his heart. And he asks them about their amazing adventure. You've been to the moon. And soon after, he goes right back to that little church and he tells those men what he learned. Before I show you the scene, I want you all to take a moment in your journals, on your paper. This is a question between you and the Lord. This is an important moment, so use it. A lot of us came in here last night burdened, weighed down, excuses, sin, etc., accusations from the enemy, and Jesus has set us free. Thank God those things are gone, but the behavior, the beliefs, the practices that may have helped establish them in us, are those things gone? I want you, between you and the Lord, to just ask him, what worldly thing have I been looking to to find my value, to tell me what's right and wrong? What have you been looking to, listening to, watching that has been telling you how valuable or not you are? What's right or wrong? Ask the Lord that question. Ask him to reveal where you're putting your hope and your faith and your trust. And as you receive it, as you know it, and I know many of you already like phone, this guy, that girl, this mis whatever it is, write it down, just own it for a minute. There wasn't a, a specific moment uh, when it started. It's been more of a, a gradual thing, a drip, drip, drip of, of doubt, disaffection, disease, dis, 
discomfort. People around me have noticed my general uh, irritability. Um, no, <laughs> of course, that's, that's nothing new. I'm generally a, a cantankerous sort, but even I would have to admit that there, there has been more of it lately. And not to mention uh, an almost jealous uh, fascination with the achievements of these young astronauts compulsive over-exercising, an inability to find calm or satisfaction or fulfillment. And when you, you look at all these symptoms, of course it doesn't take a, a genius to tell you that they all suggest I'm slap-bang in the middle of a... <laughs> I can't even say what kind of crisis <laughs> that, that crisis. And, and of course, one's read or heard about other people hitting that crisis. And you know, just like them, you look in all the usual places, resort to all the usual things to try and make yourself feel better. Uh, some of which I can admit to in this room, and some of which I probably shouldn't. My mother died recently. <clears throat> she, she saw that something was amiss. It's a good word that, amiss. She saw that something was missing in her youngest child, her only son. Faith. How's your faith, she asked me. I'm here to admit to you that I've lost it. And without it, what is there? The, the loneliness and emptiness and anticlimax of going all that way to the moon to find nothing but haunting desolation, ghostly silence, gloom, that is what faithlessness is. As opposed to finding wonder, ecstasy, the, the miracle of divine creation, God's design and purpose. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that the solution to our problems, I think, is not in the, you know, the ingenuity of the rocket or the science or the technology or even the bravery. No, the answer is in here. 
or here or wherever it is that faith resides. And so, Dean Woods, having ridiculed you for what you and these poor, blocked, lost souls <laughs> were, were trying to achieve here in St. George's house, I now find myself full of respect and admiration and not a small part of desperation. As I come to say, help. Help me. When it comes to the world, and what it has to offer. This amazing age that we live in, that he lived in. Prince Philip, this man has everything, everything that the world has to offer. He's got possessions. He's got accomplishments. He's got reputation. But his life is empty. It is a barren, desolate wasteland. Living at the dawn of the information age, this man has no answers for why am I here? Who was I created to be? And he chooses, he decides to do the wisest thing that any of us can do in this life when we hit crisis. Help. Help me. Christian, do you know what the greatest, most neglected help is that's available to us? It's this. It's this book, this gift from God, the good book, the holy scriptures, the Bible, the gospel, the sword, the truth, basic instructions before leaving earth, the writings of the apostles and the prophets, the living and active word of God, or my, my favorite one, the Hebrew word, mikra. Mikra, which translated means crying out. God named the word crying out because this book, is crying out for every single one of us all day long, every day we're on this planet, begging us to open it and converse with the creator and the lover of our souls. Have you felt like Prince Philip? Do you know how close peace and calm and fulfillment and wonder are? There's a quote that I have loved in the past six months, I have kept it on my desktop every day I look at it from Charles Spurgeon, and it reads, if you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to perceive his power, 
you must see how he works by his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it even comes to pass, you can only discover it by his word. What has God said of this book? How does he describe it? What does he say that it can do, has to offer? I will read you some of the things the Lord wants you to know and wants me to know. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Do you want to know who you are? Open the word. John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you, you think they give you eternal life? Hey, the scriptures point to me, Jesus says. You want to learn who Jesus is? Do you really want to understand who God is? Open this book. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a young person stay pure by obeying the word. I have pursued you with my whole heart. Do not let me stray from the word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. Are you ready to conquer pornography? Get in the word. John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Are you wrestling to receive an answer to prayer? Get in the word. Psalm 19, 7 through 8, the instructions of the Lord, perfect. They revive the soul, the decrees of the Lord, they're trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, and they will bring joy to your heart. Are you hungry for some wisdom, for some understanding, for some joy? Get in the Word. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 Remember the things I've done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me anywhere. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Do you have questions about 2020? Get in the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, every word of the word is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and to equip his people, that's you, to do what? To go out 
and do every good work? Are you ready to be light in this dark world? Get in the Word. No matter what we do in 2020, nothing is more important or more satisfying or more redemptive, purifying, wholesome, powerful than asking God for help and spending time in the Word. All semester we've been in this series, Tattoo My Soul with Your Words. And I've shared the problems I've had in my life and the verses that God has given me and how they changed my whole life. Changed the way that I thought, which led to changing the way that I feel, which led the way changing how I do everything and always for the better. And all those stories that I have been sharing with you from these last 12, 13 years of my life have been leading to this moment, this morning, today. I have been waiting for today as I have been priming the pump and asking God to prepare you through my testimony for right now. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to grab a Bible. If you have one, pick it up. If you need one, they're under every other seat. If you see one, someone without one, hand them one if you're not using it. We're going to take the next five minutes, and we are going to write a brief prayer to the Lord. And we're going to ask him, because he's a God that loves to give, and we're already in a position of obedience where he wants to bless us, so let's take advantage. We're going to ask him, whichever one of these questions resonates with your heart, God, what do I need to know this year? Where do I need to grow this year? What do I need to focus on to get out from under the thing this year? Whatever question you want to ask, you feel led to ask Jesus, ask him in a brief prayer. And as you do so, which you can begin now, you may find that a verse is coming to mind. Or a book or chapter of the Bible is just in there. Maybe it's just Isaiah 49. And I would encourage you, open your Bible to that verse, to that book, to that chapter, and just start reading. Or another option is write your prayer and take that closed Bible and just say, Jesus, I believe in your living and active word, and just give it a shot and open up and see where you land. No matter where you land, there will be two full pages of God's living and active word. Something, a word, a sentence, or the whole chapter is going to grip your heart and stir your soul. And so as you partake in this exercise, whatever your method, when you're ready, open the Bible, the living and active word, and be willing to believe that God is crying out from this book to you today. And just begin reading until something grips your heart. And then make sure to write down where you land. Isaiah 46, Psalm 19. I'm going to pray, and you got five minutes. No talking. Use every second. Jesus, we are willing to believe 
that you have been preparing us and leading us into this moment. You have set us free from lies we've been believing. You have removed them as far as the east is from the west and now replace it with truth. Your words, not the world's, not ours. Holy Spirit, come, invade us, speak to us, love us in the right direction. Five minutes. need another minute or are you ready to move on then we're going to move on all right that was the sermon but we're going to prepare our hearts for serving so i got a couple more things to say last night we confessed our sin and god cleansed us from our sin why because the lord has already counted us worthy you are worthy Son and daughter, the Lord has already given you strength for today. The Lord is saying to us this morning, you're going to do more than restore my people to me. I'm going to make you a light to the nations. You're going to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Why? Because I chose you. Because I love you. Because I want to. You're my kids. I'm your dad. I'm about to bless your socks off. It starts today. So that's awesome. How do we start? Isaiah 49, 9 and 10. This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will answer you. When victory is due, I will help you. I will protect you. I will give you to the people as my covenant with them. This verse says that God wants to give us to give you to the people and that now is the time for that and that today he's going to protect us and he's going to give us some spiritual victories over the land and over the people that we encounter today. All we need to be part of that is willingness, is some faith to put other people before ourselves, to pray for people to be a blessing and you can do that you are ready to do that you will be powerful today as you do that just if anything else let's go out into the world today and let people know Jesus loves you I'm going to close with a personal story of how God can use our willingness you may remember from a couple weeks back that I ended up having to go to the DMV for driving a little crazy with no um, updated license, pulled over, corrected in a loving way. And I was instructed, you should go get your license renewed. And I took that as a warning from the Lord. And I took that single moment. As an awareness of the Lord, God wants me to go to the DMV. I will get my license renewed, and something's going to happen there to share at Freedom. So I went, and I ran into a former student there, which was awesome. And we got to talk, and we haven't connected since she had gotten married, and we caught up on life, and I prayed for her. And that was awesome, and it felt blessed, and I got to be a blessing. And I met this super nice lady working at the DMV. And it is not the friendliest place to work. Talk about a place that's desolate and barren. 
and she's there 24-7. And I got to make her smile and tell her she was doing a good job and to say, God bless you. I got to be light a little bit. It was an easy thing. This place was so packed that I had to park not one but two shopping centers away, like a hike, like maybe my car's over there, and it's yellow, so I should know, but no. So I'm trekking back to my car in the afternoon, and there's a man leaning against the wall way down from the door and still a good ways to the car, and this man, he just had the look of somebody in need. I smiled at him, and as I was walking past, I was wondering if he might ask me for some money or something, but he didn't. Instead, he read my shirt, and he said, stay alive. What's that about? And so I smiled. I just looked at him and smiled, because I remember clearly that morning picking out from my shirts that I picked this shirt over here, and God impressed upon me, wear, stay alive today. Tell me what to do. <laughs> you can tell me what to do. And so I wore that shirt knowing that God wanted me to. And I didn't know why until that moment. Stay alive. What's that mean? And I knew when he asked that because I'd been willing to obey the Lord and just put on a different shirt that day that I was about to enter into a moment. And so I walked right over to him and I said, this shirt is about suicide prevention, and, and some friends of mine and I, we, we care a lot about that. And this man said to me, and it was an interesting turn of phrase, he said, well, everybody needs a reason to keep going. And his phrasing caught me, not just for what he said, but more to the point, the way this man said it, like a man who is running without a reason. So he, we talked for a bit, and I asked his name, and he said, I'm Thomas. Um, why are you here? And he responded, I lost my license over the holiday. Um, I had fallen behind on my payments, and I could afford to either make my house payment or my car payment, and I'm a tow truck driver, and I, I need a place to live, and so I made the house payment, and they took my car. And my license was inside. And so I am up here trying to get it renewed. I don't know if I made the right decision. And Thomas's situation was so far beyond anything I could do. I don't have that kind of money. I don't have a tow truck hanging out that I can just give this man so he can start earning a wage. Um, it was beyond my power to really help him, but it was not beyond God. And so I did all I could do in that moment. The most powerful thing I could have done in that moment, I just looked at Thomas and said, buddy, if there was one thing that I could pray for you today, what would it be? Without hesitating, he said, I need a job. So I put my hand on this man, and just short and sweet, Jesus, I lift my brother Thomas to you. You know what he needs. And if it's a job, God, please bless him with a job that is beyond his wildest dreams, better than he can imagine, that enables him to provide for himself and his family. Bless him with that, and just bless him today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, or something like that. And I gave him some prayer cards, 
gave him just a a shoulder thing and said, it's going to be okay. And I walked out. That's all I could do. But I knew it was what I needed to do. And that was it. But there's a funny thing that happens when you bless somebody for a good reason. It makes you hungry for more. I'm walking to my car. I still got like a mile to go. And I am thinking, what else can I do today for him, for anyone? Because that just felt right and good to bless that man. And all I did was pray. All I did was take enough time to say, how are you? What can I ask God to do for you? And as I'm asking the Lord, what else can I do? My mind lights up. And I remember, I have an envelope in my quiet time bag. And inside this envelope is $96 in cash. Over the holiday break, someone went into my office and put an envelope on my desk. And it said on the envelope, for you and your family, hope it helps. And that was it. There was no name. There was no address. It was just on my desk with this note. And I took it, and I'm like, is this for me? I mean, it's there on my desk. I'll just, maybe I'll take Brooke to dinner. And I put it in my bag. And as I was walking back to my car, God said, that money is for Tommy. Like, I, I'm just a liaison. I'm just a temporary holder of it. So I get in my car, and I pull that envelope out, and I drive back over to Thomas. And I love, he's, he's crouched on the ground. And he's reading those prayer cards. And I get out and I walk over to him. And I, I, I don't want to make him feel awkward. He didn't ask me for money. And I had the envelope in my hand. And I said, Thomas, over the break, somebody, somebody went into my office. And they, they left this envelope in it. And it just says, for you and your family, hope it helps. And I didn't know who gave it to me. But I asked the Lord, is there anything else I can do for Thomas today? And he said, that money is from me to Thomas. And so I don't know if $96 makes a big difference in your life right now, but God wants you to have this. And he put that money in his hand, and he just starts weeping. His eyes clear up as he just is rocked by this seemingly random moment in time. I embraced him, and he said, I don't know what to say. I said, just say thank you, buddy, but not to me, to him. This is from God to you. Gave him a hug and I left. I just thought, wow, that's incredible. I'm driving away and I pull over to write down the moment because I knew it was for you today. I knew you needed to hear it before going out and looking for how God wants to use you today. And as I'm writing it out, I just kept thinking, of Thomas's eyes. And my initial thought as I was recording the moment was, that dude looked like I gave him a million dollars. But I wiped that thought away because it was too small. It was more than that. It was more than the money. There was life in his eyes. There was light in his eyes that had not been there before. That's what being and sharing the light of the Lord can look like. Just a little willingness to wear some truth, to 
obey a nudge to pray for somebody. And God will use you in that willingness today and any day you want. He will use you to share with someone you're not alone. God loves you. Stay alive. Let's pray. Jesus, as we prepare to worship, I know you have prepared our hearts. And so I pray as we sing these words and declare your truth back to you, that you would give us everything that we need to go out today to be light, to go out today to make a difference. We will, whether we know it or not, encounter people who do not want to stay alive, who do not know, who am I? Why am I here? And so, Jesus, we invite you right now. We just picture ourselves in your throne room on our knees with our hands open. Use me. Prepare me to be a blessing, to be light, to share. I'm broken, but Jesus. There's lies that we're believing, but truth. We have good news. We have fresh testimonies. We have the blessing of the Lord upon us. We have no excuse but to go out and share it, to bless, to pray, to remind people there is a God in heaven. He loves us. He delights over us. He's singing over us. He's given us this day so that we can rejoice and be glad in it. Use us Open eyes, let's prepare hearts for an encounter with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, get up, let's sing. Get up, let's sing.